Thanks for joining us on a Monday morning edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, where I'm recording this intro at one in the morning. I just woke my dog up, but that is neither here nor there. This is part two of our Locked On crossover with Colton Molesky of Locked On Wolves. Uh, We are talking whether or not it's worth it for the Nets to trade for Jimmy Butler, who Minnesota could potentially target in a trade, and whether or not Minnesota's rebuild will actually be improved by losing Butler. All that and more next on the Locked On Nets podcast. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When you do a podcast on a team or you, or you cover a team in any capacity, it, it does allow you to be um, a little, a little bit removed from the situation, and you, and you forget about the fact that, like, I mean, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm very open about this on our podcast. Like, I, I grew up a Knicks fan. Like, I'm, I, I've been tortured, <laughs> I've been tortured in a different way than Nets fans have their entire lives. And I happened to have to go through the last five years of not having, um, or having kicks. I, I've just had to get used to the Knicks blowing up kicks every year. But that's again, <laughs> um, yeah. So it, I think. I think there is something to be said for, you know, like, look, we get Jimmy Butler. Even if we don't end up with Tyree Irving, you get Butler and you do it without giving up that many assets. Like, you have a chance to be a 45 to 50 win team for two to three years. And maybe on the back end, his contract sucks a little bit, but he's just enough of an effort guy that he's, he's always going to be confident enough to help your team. And he gives you a chance of being relevant, which the Nets, frankly, haven't been now in since moving to Brooklyn. And, and that's, it, it's hard to overrate that. And, like, and it, I think the journalists, perspective on it is always like, all right, what are you going to do to win a championship? Like, how, how are you going to get closer to winning a title? And I think Butler, unless you get Kyrie Irving, like, signing into that contract puts a definite ceiling on your long-term upside that I think doesn't involve winning a championship. But again, how likely is that anyways, if you have a definite path to getting to 50 wins, don't you have to take that? And I think I think that's a very valid argument. I, I guess the, the final thing uh, I want to talk about uh, before we close up this segment is, is what the package would theoretically look like. And I was reading like the guy that Minnesota would potentially be interested in on the Nets is, is Karis LeVert. And, and to me, that would be a very good starting point for a deal. I think he's a guy who's really significantly underrated um, in NBA circles, just because I, I think given the fact that he's relatively older for an emerging player, he's already 24 years old. I, and, and a lot of people's minds cast his upside, but the fact that he was so injured throughout college, very injured throughout his first year in the NBA um, means there's still a lot of room for him to grow there. And, and just the talent he showed off last year, his ability to get into the lane, to contort his body, to make tight interior passes, to finish athletically around the rim, showing the, the makings of being a pretty good jump shooter. I, I think he's a guy who is it, not an all-star. He has a chance to be just a notch below that and could be like a Chris Middleton-type impact player down the road. And I think him and maybe a first-round pick, or you want to say one of the next um, second-round or second-round picks from last year in, in Zana Muson or Rodion Turek, um, some kind of package around those type of guys I think would be a starting point for a conversation uh, for Jimmy Butler and, and Colton, you can let me know. You might think that that's totally unreasonable and, and underrating Butler, but again, just given the fact that this is a one-year situation and the kind of contracts you're going to have to sign into, I, I think that is an interesting starting point. But let me know if I'm um, off, off base on that. Well, and you guys, Jimmy Butler and whoever they're talking to first is in the driver's seat, right? I mean, you know that the Timberwolves have to get rid of them, so they're in a tough spot. So uh, you you can kind of get away with maybe going a few less picks or a, a asset or two less than you would normally think Jimmy Butler would be worth, right? And so I, I think that LeVert is a, a good starting point, and I think you figure out the rest of it. I think maybe uh, you either go with a couple of those younger guys. Here's the other thing, too, is that 
if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, you have to think now a couple years down the road. You have to think, is Tibbs going to be the coach next year? Because those second-round guys who maybe have some some potential to come off the bench and, and do a little something – uh, in, a, in a role player, a very restricted role players type scenario, look a lot better if Tibbs isn't part of this and you're running only six guys deep for most of the season. If you're thinking next year, Tibbs, you don't know who the head coach is, and you're thinking with that kind of perspective, maybe you do go for, instead of picks, you go for some guys who are, are already on a roster and could be role player kind of guys. And so I think that when the Timberwolves are making this package, and I think it does start with Vert, but I think when the Timberwolves are making or preparing a package that they're saying, all right, Brooklyn, here's what we kind of are thinking we want back, it has to be, you have to have the mindset of, well, who's going to be the coach? Because uh, if we're going to trade for a bunch of guys, he's just never going to play. It's definitely not going to be worth it, and we want a draft pick. And so I think you have to have an extensive race. And so that's why it's kind of hard for me to judge uh, who I'm wanting back from the net. But I think that has to be the first question that the Timberwolves ask themselves. No, I think I think that's an, an astute point. And like, and, and if Tibbs is going to be the coach, maybe I, I mean you still want Harris Levert, but maybe you say you know let's also take uh, Joe Harris or Shabazz Napier or Ed Davis, like guys who last year at their respective positions were some of the better backups in the league, and, and really build up that depth in Minnesota and give you a chance to still be competitive under Tibbs, which is obviously has, has very clearly been his priority throughout his career, and he's not really willing to budge on that. All right, guys, exactly. Our second segment on the Locked On Nets podcast, uh, we will be back talking uh, the two rebuilds, Minnesota and Brooklyn, briefly to wrap up this edition of Locked On Nets. The Locked On Podcast Network is officially delving into the world of college sports. Coming this week, Locked On Wolverines, Locked On Buckeyes, and Locked On Seminoles. Plus, we already have Locked On to the Ducks, Nittany Lions, Bears, the Crimson Tide, the Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and most importantly in my mind, the Sooners. Find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Thanks for sticking with us. Third and final segment on Locked on Nets. Uh, let's talk about these two rebuilds, Colton. Um, obviously, Minnesota and Brooklyn, like at this point, I, I think uh, last week we just did a crossover with Brandon Clean on Locked on Suns. I, I feel like I'm, I'm slowly crossing off just the most bad sack franchises. We got, I, I, don't know, I don't know who the Kings guy is, but we, we, have, to, we have to get him on. Uh, next week, these are the teams that apparently are willing to trade with each other, are willing to talk to each other. Everyone else is just so disgusted with them; they don't even they don't even want to have the conversation. So I'm glad I'm glad we can do this from this perspective. Um, when you said that, when you said the word rebuild, I just reverted back to PTSD of 13 seasons uh, from before last year. And so thanks for that, by the way. Yeah, of course. Hey, yeah, you guys made the playoffs. You're you can you can exclude us if you want. You're you're in a different group now. It might just be the Suns, Nets, and uh, Kings, and, and maybe a team that I'm forgetting. Um, but a- anyways, I, I was I was kind of interested in like what the conversation like in Minnesota is about regret over even like initially acquiring Jimmy Butler because obviously the alternative scenario was um, and I guess I don't know if he would have been Minnesota's pick, but presumably they would have taken uh, Lowry Markkinen. With that pick, he was a guy who was mocked to them quite a bit in that mock draft, and retroactively, like he ended up being one of the best rookies in one of the most loaded drafts in NBA memory, and looks like a guy who legitimately does have all-star potential down the road. And at the time, this this just seemed like such a slam dunk for Minnesota. Like I remember being shocked that the Bulls also gave back their first-round pick in addition to trading Jimmy Butler. Like that that just seemed obscene to me. But but now it's so clearly a win for Chicago, and I'm wondering um, what the talk around that is. Uh, that's a fantastic question. I was 
mulling over this before I did to this morning's show on the, the Lockdown Wolves podcast. Uh, I think you still – maybe my answer is different in two years, but I think you still do the trade just to, just to get to the playoffs finally for the first time in so long. And, uh, and you kind of try – because here's the thing is that nine out of ten times – I'm not sure it goes this sour in the locker room so quickly. And I, I think it is just the perfect, terrible scenario, a perfect storm. But I think you still make the trade just to get to the playoffs and just to get Towns and Wiggins at least some playoff reps and, and try and make this team relevant again. Uh, and I just, with the way this defense was playing a couple of years ago with guys like Zach Levine on there, uh, with uh, with the way Chris Dunn was playing with this team and the guys you have around him, I just don't know if this team makes it to the playoffs. Even if you have marketing and you have young guys, we have young guys now in Josh Okogie and Keita Bates' job that I think are going to end up being really good down the road uh, two, three years from now. Going to be really phenomenal, anyways. And so I don't know if uh, I'm super worried about missing out on marketing, even though he does look like he's going to be really solid. Uh, and so I think you end up do making that. I think you end up making the trade, just to, even if it's one year in the playoffs. I, it, it just it was so good to be back in postseason basketball. Uh, I think you end up taking the risk uh, to, to get back to postseason basketball. But again, maybe that changes in two years uh, when I just am not fresh off the season where I was in the play, where my team was in the playoffs that I'm covering. Right, no, and that and that goes right back to the conversation we just had. Like, do you do you sacrifice the long term feeling to throw a bone to a fan base that has really been, again, as you said, it's like torture for 13 seasons and just didn't genuinely didn't have a lot to enjoy. And again, from from our perspective, at least, like, I mean, you, you seem to be more reasonable about it. From my perspective, it's easy to uh, to throw uh, rocks at a glass house and say, like, look, like you're trying to win a title. That's the goal. That's everyone's goal. You got to do everything possible to keep your ceiling as high as you can. But then these, these guys have kept to face fans in Minnesota day in and day out. They operate in the real world, and sometimes you have to say, look, like, let's just let's just make the playoffs and let's figure it out from there. That being said, well, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Golden. No, it was just the other thing is is that there were two spots in like December, January, and then when Butler was out that second time uh, with injury, those were two spots where you saw Towns really dominate and take over possessions in quarters of games. It was a town, a version of Towns on both ends of the floor that you just hadn't seen before. And I wonder, without Jimmy Butler on this team, does he reach that ceiling? And I don't know, hopefully he can find it in himself to consistently hit that ceiling this season, now that he's kind of the main guy and the, the number one guy for sure on this team all season long. But does he learn how to hit that that soon without Jimmy Butler on this team? I don't know. But if that is a factor of Jimmy Butler being on the team, then that is huge towards the growth of Towns, too, just as far as the trajectory of his career. And that maybe makes it worth it as well. No, certainly. And I, I guess that, that, that's a good way to wrap this podcast up, talking – about Carl Anthony Towns and, and the future of Minnesota collectively. I mean, I, I think you made it pretty clear throughout this podcast that, I mean, I, ideally Tibbs wouldn't be long for this coach GM role, maybe not long for coaching, period. But uh, wondering, assuming, assuming if they get they get rid of Tibbs like in the, in the next season or two, how, how do you how do you restart this rebuild? And Carl Anthony Towns, I, I obviously hasn't signed his rookie extension yet. What's his future in Minnesota, and is, is there a way this scenario turns utterly disastrous and he decides that 
he doesn't want to be on the T-Wolves, and all of a sudden all you really have is Andrew Wiggins on this bloated contract, and you're kind of starting from square one again? If Towns is not signed with the Timberwolves, you got to call me up and make sure to talk me off the ledge because that's oh. going to be a place that we don't want to think about. Uh, but like I said, uh, I think in the first segment it was uh, you, the, the number one priority for the Timberwolves has to be Get Towns on the extension. I don't know how they haven't extended him already, but that has to be the number one goal of this franchise, get Towns extended, because he is the future of this franchise. He probably was the future of this franchise, even with Butler on the team anyways. Uh, but definitely now, you have to get Towns extended. Have to, have to, have to have him on the team. And then if you look around him, if you hit on these draft picks, Tyus Jones, uh, at point guard, really good defensive point guard, really good at uh, creating turnovers and then being careful with the basketball. You have if Josh Okogi and Kibay's job are, are hits there, you have those guys at kind of the the 2-3 two, two, and then the 3-4 the kind of hybrids for those guys respectively who will both help the defense and could kind of help stretch the floor a little bit for the, the Timberwolves. You have uh, Wiggins who, uh, while he, he was not impressive last year, if you get him back into the form of getting to the basket, he's not a three-point shooter. All the stats show he's not a three-point shooter. If you get back to just letting him get to the to the rim and take those intermediate kind of uh, 15 to 18-foot shots, he's actually a really good offensive piece. And then you have Towns, obviously, such a great player inside and out, uh, and one of the one of the best unicorns in the NBA. And then you have James Dunley uh, out the European League, who's 51% from three the last two seasons in the EuroLeague. If you can get him playing as kind of that six-man gunner role, this actually isn't a terrible team if you can have some creativity on offense. with They have like 10 guys you can go into their bench on. Uh, and if you play with some creativity and versatility around a guy who's as talented as Towns, this actually isn't a terrible roster, and it's not all, all people abandoned hope on this roster. This actually has some really great pieces to the roster. So I think if you're creative and you're smart and, and these draft picks hit, those are three big things. But if those things happen, this is actually, this actually still is an eighth, eighth, seventh seed kind of team in the West. Right. And then obviously, um, if, if you, even though right now it seems like the idea is that they don't want to trade Butler, but assuming, um, they flip on that and maybe cooler heads prevail, I, I was the way I would phrase it. Um, and, and they get some assets for Butler, like all of a sudden, like you have, like, uh, maybe a group that's a little bit more complementary to town skill set. And as you said, like you really let him shine as, as the number one option that it seemed like it was kind of tough for him to be when he was, he was juggling with Butler last season. Exactly. And I, I really do think that if towns gets to that point where he realizes how good he is and, and really takes over games and, and then too understands when it's time for him to take over a game and when it's time for him to, to make other people, other players look really good. If when he gets that and when he starts to hit that consistently, then these guys, then this team is looking really good because if you have a team where they have some guys who can really defend the perimeter well, and then Towns knows exactly when to make Josh Okogie or when to make Tyus Jones or Andrew Wiggins look really good on offense, and when he's just going to take over and dominate the opposing center on offense. Now this team is actually now this team is going to be a seventh seed at least in the West, and it's just it, it's a couple little things, but they're so big as far as where as far as this team being either a ten team the tenth team in the West or the seventh team. No, and so I'm I'm glad to hear that there's still reasons for optimism 
in Minnesota. Colton, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, before I let you go, any anything to plug? I know, I know you have a couple of other ventures uh, just outside of Lost on Tewel. Yeah, for sure. So uh, make sure you're checking out the show, first of all. Uh, we're going to be talking to guys uh, with the Clippers and Knicks on the show as well. Uh, in the coming days here, those are the other two teams, like you mentioned, that Butler listed as the, the trade teams that he would like to go to. Uh, also, if you like college football, I'm doing a lot of work for SB Nation, Rule of Three, Conquest Chronicles. Go check out that college football stuff. But as far as basketball, make sure to check out the Lockdown Triple content covering all the Jimmy Butler stuff, covering what you should expect from the people going in, what the proper expectations are now that Jimmy Butler might not be a part of the Timberwolves. All that good stuff, make sure to check out the Locked on Timberwolves podcast. All right, be sure to show Colton a lot of love on social media. Colton, again, can't thank you enough for coming on, and that wraps up this edition of the Locked on Nets podcast. We will likely be back this weekend with Josh talking about the implications of Butler wanting to come to Brooklyn. All right, awesome. Colton, thank you so much, man. I really – it was great. Uh, Let me know if you want me to send you the uh, audio for this. That would actually be awesome because uh, I would like to use a couple of the, the segments there, and it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Uh, All right, yeah. Time. Always good to help a fellow locked on host. All right, yeah, no, no worries, man. I'll definitely send you the audio, and hey, if this trade actually happens, we'll, we'll do it again. <laughs> Sounds good, my man. You take it easy. All right, sounds good. Bye.